And so we've been on this topic of discipleship here all this year so far, and we'll continue talking about discipleship here for the next couple of weeks. This is something that's designed for us to learn and to focus on discipleship as we can go back to start evaluating the things that we're doing within our church to ensure that we are creating or producing healthy disciples within our church. And so today, we are going to talk about the topic of winning. As we, talked to, as we spoke about before, there are five steps, five processes that's involved in disciple-making. And so today, we will be talking about the very first step, which is winning the lost or the non-believer. And that's why we read this Bible verse here today, helping us to understand that no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he is born again. And so we'll be emphasizing on that Bible verse here in a bit. But uh, before we do that, let me try to get this up here. And so what is the vision? What is the vision for us as we proceed with this idea of discipleship? You see, discipleship is not something that we sit around and we debate about whether or not we are to do it, because it is a command from Jesus Christ before he, um, before he went up into heaven. His, his call was for us is to make disciples of every nation. And so this is not something that is an option for us, but it is something that we must do. We must do is to make disciples. And so what is the vision for us when it comes to making disciples? Well, I put here, the vision is to produce healthy disciples who passionately, and I underline this for a reason, who passionately desires to reproduce themselves and others, okay? And so that's what a healthy disciple is. A healthy disciple is someone who wants to go out and take the gospel, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and share it with others. A healthy disciple is someone who desires to reproduce themselves and other people, we are never done with discipleship unless we're able to teach someone who's able to move on and teach someone else. And I've emphasized on that uh, many times here uh, at the beginning of this year is for us to understand that that is the goal, that is the vision for us, is to uh, produce healthy disciples who will go out and reproduce themselves and other people. Because that is our call. It is a mandate from scriptures, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. We spoke about this two weeks ago. And we saw that as the Apostle Paul, as he was nearing the end of his life, the one thing that he was concerned about was trying to get Timothy to pass this message on to other people. And so he wrote this letter to Timothy, encouraging Timothy to identify those who will be able to pass this message on and teach those people so that they can take the gospel and they can continue the call, even when the Apostle Paul is no longer around. So that has been the foundation of what we've been doing in Christianity for the past 2,000 years. It's just passing on the torch to the next generation, to the next group, teaching them, discipling them so that they can continue to carry the message forward even when we are no longer here. And so that is what our call is. And the ultimate goal is maturity in Christ, which is what I define as a healthy disciple. And so what is that? What is maturity in Christ? It is a spirit-filled believer who is reflecting both the character and priority 
of Christ. And so this is very important. This is very important. We, we, I keep talking about the Holy Spirit with us, you know, especially here at the beginning of this year, because it's very important for us to understand that discipleship is not something that is done by us, but it is something that is done by the Holy Spirit. Okay, it is something that's initiated by the Holy Spirit. A lot of times as Methodists, we have forgotten the role of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. And so when we talk about a healthy disciple, we are talking about someone who is spiritually filled. It is a spirit-filled believer, someone who has the Holy Spirit in his or her life. And their life is continually being sanctified. Their life is continually transforming and, and begins to reflect both the character and the priority of Jesus Christ. The desires of Jesus Christ, the command of Jesus Christ becomes a priority in their lives. It is a supernatural transformation in which Jesus Christ talked he spoke about with Nicodemus about being born again. It is a supernatural experience, just you know, experiencing this. And all the desires of, uh, of your own desires, the desires of the flesh, is set aside, and and Christ becomes the priority in our lives. You know, whatever God commands us to do, what God sets us to do, that's what we follow, and we we follow Jesus Christ. And the other day, one of the members came and talked to me in the office, and he says, Pastor, how are we supposed to run the church? And he asked me that question, and and I said, well, we run it the way God wants us to run it, not the way we want to run it. And he thought about it. He says, yeah, that's right. That's right, because many times we always try to run things the way we want to do it. We always want to run the church the way we want to run it, but we have to remember, we have to understand that the church belongs to Jesus Christ. It belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church, and we are to follow Jesus Christ. What he commands us to do is what we are to do. And when he calls us to make disciples, that's what we need to do. So we need to go out and make disciples, you know. And so... What is involved in making healthy disciples? Well, I put here, although teaching biblical truth is essential, it must involve more than just communicating biblical knowledge. Because many times we have a lot of head knowledge, you know, about the Bible. We have all these head knowledge. We, many times we're, many of us are able to, to uh, quote scriptures, you know, in, you know, things like that. We, we can quote scriptures, but the question is, do we have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we know Christ? Okay, do we have this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Because in disciple-making, it is more than just knowing biblical truth. It's more than just memorizing Bible verses, although it involves all those things. Although it involves all, that, all those, those things, it's more to it. There's more to it, and that is that personal, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? That intimate, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. When I was at the other church last week at the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, giving them thanks. They also asked me to give them, a, to provide a little sermon for them, to give them a little sermon. And that's one of the things I talked to them about is that many times, you know, we, we learn about the Bible. We know about the Bible. We can quote the Bible. We know the history of the scriptures. We know all these things. But the one thing that we're missing so many times in our lives is we're missing this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's what discipleship is all about. It's, it's about us, us just having that personal, intimate, close, close relationship with Jesus Christ in which, man, there's nothing more that's important to us than, than just being, just knowing Christ, you know, just learning about Jesus Christ. 
You know, I, I used this, this um, illustration before for us about my relationship with my wife, right? And we, when we're dating and, you know, all I could think about was her, you know? And I told us that I, I don't know if she thought about me at all, but, I, you know, all I could think about was her, you know? And that's what, that's what knowing Jesus Christ, that's what having a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. It's just, you know, just every single one of our thoughts. The goal is every single one of our thoughts, everything that we have, we just want to, you know, just keep our eyes on Jesus Christ in all things that we do. So it's more than just communicating biblical truth. It also involves a growing process, okay? It also involves a growing process in which students are transformed into Christ's likeness, okay? They are transformed into being like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate, uh, I guess, goal in our life, in, in our life as a Christian. You know, the pastor is not the ultimate goal. You, you don't want to be like the pastor because the pastor gets lazy sometimes too, right? So you don't want to be like the pastor. What you want to be like is be like Christ. That's, that's our ultimate goal is to be like Christ, you know. We're not here to be like, uh, you know, like, like the pastor, like, like other people or anything like that. We're here to be like Christ. And so we look to Jesus Christ. We keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. And so, so disciple-making involves a growing process in which stu- students are transformed into becoming like Jesus Christ. And so what is the growing process? Well, we talked about this too. This week I'm, go- I'm going to get into a little more detail about winning the lost, okay? But we talked about the growing process that we'll be using, and the first thing is winning the lost. The second thing that we talked about was building up the believer. And then we talked about equipping the worker and then multiplying the leaders and sending the called ones out. And this is something that I keep you're talking to us about is that, you know, we've been here for so long. How many pastors have, have we raised from our church? You know, I keep asking us that question. And, 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 it, and, and it's a, you know, I keep asking it over and over again, but it is a serious question for us, for us to really think about is how many pastors have we raised from our church? You know, and, and that's something that we need to, to have. That's a goal that we need to have is who can, who among us can become a pastor? Who among us can become a deacon? Who among us can become, you know, missionary or, or whatever position it is? And we're the ones that, that, that raise up these pastors, and we send them to Blake, and Blake decides whether or not they can continue on, right? But we, it's our job to produce these, these leaders in our church, okay? And so that's one of the things I, I keep talk, talking to us about is that we need to focus on that. How can we produce these people who can rise up to be part of the United Methodist Church, you know, maybe, maybe become pastor, deacon, or, or whatever uh, position that God has gifted them to do? And so that's sending the called ones out. And so... For us to approach this, we must realize that students will come to us at all different levels of spiritual maturity. Some will be new Christians or non-believers, okay, when they come to us, they'll either be new Christians or non-believers. And one thing I want us to understand about this is that sometimes when we think about new believers or new Christians, we think about people who has just started coming to church. Okay, so they've, they've started coming to church, you know, first time in their life they started coming to church and and so forth. So we think of them as new Christians, but that's not necessarily the case when we talk about spiritual maturity, because someone can be going to church about 40, 50 years, and they're still at their spiritual side. They may still be a new Christian because they have never matured. Maybe they've never been led to, to mature in their faith. And so that's something we need to think about. It's not, it doesn't necessarily, we're not necessarily only talking about someone who's just, you know, started coming to church, but we're talking about someone's spirituality, their, their spiritual 
decide whether or not they are a new Christian. Or some, you know, maybe non-believers, you know. We, we always encounter many non-believers in our daily lives. And so uh, when students will come to us at all different levels of maturity, and when we talk about maturity, we're talking about spiritual maturity. They're either new Christians or non-believers. While others who come to us are still growing Christians, right? They're still maturing. They're still learning. And then there are those who come to us, and they may be mature enough, ready to lead their own ministry already. When, we, when we see that they're ready to lead their own ministry already, we need to empower them. We need to equip them to lead a ministry, their own ministry within the church, and we need to support them in leading their own ministry within the church. A lot of times we, we, a lot of times we close down the opportunities to serve in our churches, you know. Our structures become so, so rigid that people don't have an opportunity to step into ministry anymore. But we, we shouldn't be so, so rigid to the point in which people are not able to lead their own ministry anymore. We have to be more open. We, we need to be able to empower and equip people, allow them to start a ministry within our church where we can support them within our church. And so some may be ready, ready to lead their own ministry. And so we must learn to identify the level of maturity which each person that comes to us. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. So the level of spiritual maturity that we often talk about is a non-believer, a new believer, a maturing believer, or a matured believer. And when we break that into age, you know, a lot of times, you know, that, that involves age. You know, when we break that into age, we, we often talk about children. And we often talk about youth, okay? Youth are usually about 13 to 18 years of age. And then single adults. And we have single adults. You know, in the, in the Hmong context of single adults, you can be 50 years old as long as you don't have a, you know, if you're not married, you're always a single adult. But um, I think in the, in, in the Methodist, I think it's 18 to 35 or something like that. Right, Blake? Is, is it something like that, single adult? Yeah. So something like that. So uh, 18 years old and up. And then you have the young couples. Okay, you have the young couples. Um, and then you have the senior group. So the, these are level of age of maturity within the church when we talk about age. But you know, we have to remember that in, in the church, we're not simply just talking about age all the time. We're also talking about people's spirituality, their spiritual maturity also. And so making healthy disciples it begins at conversion, okay? It begins at conversion, and that's where this Bible verse here talks about. It's John, in John chapter 3, verse 3. It says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Right, unless he is born again. And even Nicodemus, you know, even Nicodemus was confused when Jesus Christ spoke about this. He didn't understand what Christ meant about being born again. Being born again. It is, it is, a, a, it is a spiritual awakening. It is a supernatural occurrence in our lives that just transforms our hearts. Uh, the Bible talks about in the Old Testament and Ezekiel talks about just transforming our hearts of stone and tra- taking that and turning that into a heart of flesh. I think one of the better illustrations that I see in the scriptures when it talks about, about being born again is just the, the vision in which Ezekiel, and in which God takes Ezekiel, and he goes and he sees the valley of dry bones. And he sees that valley of dry bones and everything is dead. And God says prophesies to it, and Ezekiel prophesies to it, and the dead bones become alive. And pretty much that's what we are when, when, when we were, before we hear the gospel, before accepting Jesus Christ into our life, we're like those dead bones. Spiritually, we are dead. That's why we don't respond to God. That's why we don't, we don't go after God. Spiritually, we're just dead. And it is, it is when God speaks to us, when God calls us, 
You know, when, when the gospel is being proclaimed to us, that we become alive, and that's what Jesus Christ is talking about, is that supernatural experience of being born again. The heart of stone being changed, being transformed into a heart of flesh that will respond to God. Because the heart of stone would not respond to God, right? Right? Stone, you take a rock and you can talk to the rock all day. What is the rock going to say to you? It's not going to say anything. You can beat on that rock all day long. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to respond to you. And, and that's what the scripture, that's what the scripture talks about before God calls us. We have that heart of stone. And then, but when God calls us and when he gives us the Holy Spirit, then we are awakened to respond to Jesus Christ, to respond to the message of the gospel. In the context of Hmong ministry, it's one of the things that is often difficult for them is that we, for those of you who don't know, in Hmong, in Hmong Christianity in the 1950s, and around that time, when the Hmongs began to come to Jesus Christ, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, within that one-year period of time, there's about 5,000 people, okay, 5,000 people converted over to Christianity. You know, it began, it began with the Taos, okay? The Taos are the, because the, we're, we're in different clans, so the Taos were the first clan to come to Christianity. And then the second clan to come to Christianity is my wife's clan, the Kongs. And she always brags to me about it, but I tell her, no one remembers number two, right? But she always talks to me. <laughs> but in the Kongs are the second clan that came to Christianity. But one of the things about that is that in the Hmong culture, they just follow whoever the leader is, okay? And so when they convert into Christianity, they, many of them were never born again. They were just converting because, because the leader of the clan accepted Christianity. And so he accepted Christianity, so he told everybody to, to accept Christianity. And so everybody just accepted Christianity. They threw away all their altars and all their stuff, but they never experienced that transformation in their lives. For me, and for many of you, we were all born into a Christian family. Okay? So Christianity, by default, is our religion. Here in the United States, Christianity is the traditional religion for us. And so many times we take that for granted. And for me, I grew up in the church. I just took it for granted all those times that I was always a Christian. But I never realized that I was never, I never experienced that new birth until I was about 25, 26 years old. And so I don't want us to take it for granted, okay, just because we, by default, we're born into a Christian family. I don't want us to take for granted that that makes us Christians. I want us to understand that we must be born again. And so that's something we must think about in our own lives, is that have we experienced this supernatural new birth in our own lives. And so it begins at conversion. So making healthy disciples begins at conversion, begins at that new birth. Without that new birth, everything else falls apart. Everything else is not going to follow. And so here we are talking about winning the loss with non-believers and new believers. And then the spiritual chart Winning the loss, when we talk about spiritual charts. So what are we talking about here? Well, when we're talking with someone about 12 years old, but more importantly, we're talking about a new believer, what do we want them to know in our church by the time they hit the age of 12 years old? Well, we want them to know the biblical step to salvation. And we want them to understand or have the assurance of salvation. It's one of the things that we often struggle with is our own assurance of 
of salvation. Sometimes that's something that, that bothers us as Christians. But I want us to understand one thing, that God, that, that God will always be there with us. God will always pull us. So God will always carry us through even the most difficult times of our faith. You know, my faith was, has never, my faith was, was not always easy. There are many times, many times in which I said, you know what, I'm never going to be a Christian anymore, you know. I'm never going to church anymore. Many times I say, you know, those people at, the church, at church, they, they have too much drama, right? They cause too much trouble. I don't want to go to church anymore. Many times. There's many times that I feel that way. Many times I feel like, you know what, Dad, why, why don't we just go back to the traditional religion, right? But no matter how much I struggle through it, God has always pulls me through it, okay? And so I want, that's, that's, the, that's when, we, when we talk about the assurance of salvation. I want us to trust in God, have that faith in God, that no matter what it is that we're going through, that God will always pull us out of it. Okay? He will always be there with us. And so, what else do we want them to know? We want them to be able to pray to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I just put Savior here, but I think it's important for us to understand that He is also our Lord. Okay? Lord and Savior. Okay? So we want them to be able to um, Pray for that. By the time they leave us, by the time they leave us to go off to college or wherever, we want them to be able to clearly express why Jesus Christ is indeed the only way to God. Okay? We want them to be able to explain to us why Jesus Christ is indeed the only way to God. And we also want them to be able to explain the benefit of their own salvation be able to give us a testimony or at least tell us exactly how salvation has, has been a benefit to, to their life. We want them to be able to do that. We also want them to be able to defend their own faith in a rational and logical way. You know, many of our children, they go off to college never to return. We have many, many of them in our church. I, I continue to try to reach out to them, but many of them, they, they've never they grew up in the church, but they never really understood their faith. And so they were simply here because their parents brought them here. And so we, we want to ensure that as we move forward that they, have, they understand what their salvation is all about, that they can actually sit down and defend their faith in a rational and logical way. And so that's my message here for this week. And I just really want us to focus on this, this is winning the loss. The first step is just winning the loss. How are we going to win the loss? How are we going to disciple our, our new believers here in the church. And as we go into next week, we'll be talking about building them up. You know, once we win them, once we bring them into the church, how can we build them up as disciples for Christ? So um, 